You're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. Good afternoon and welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive right here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock, 3.03 on a Thursday afternoon edition of the show. I am live at the Stately Smith Manor Studios this afternoon. Baron Marcus back in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios of Fan Run Radio. A little spread out on this beautiful Thursday. Gentlemen, how are we enjoying this lovely spring weather in East Tennessee. Oh, um, immensely. So shorts and t-shirt. Not that it really changes. Actually, Marcus is wearing long pants today. It's a strange development. I've been wearing jeans all week. It's because I come from here and go straight to work. Oh. I can't wear shorts there. Gotcha. Short weather, Russell. Really happy down here. Benny Slots is in the house. Oh. The energy is cranked up to 11 when he's in here. You know How, that. How's the podcast going, Slots? He's not in charge of it right now. Really? Yeah, because we What's had to get connected to you. He's sitting listening intently. Oh. He needs to be taking notes. He's currently not. Uh, yeah. I'm going to work with him on the commercial break. So Got to find, find something for him to do. Well, uh, I'm still stuck in Apple iPhone hell. Um, led the show off with uh, this yesterday. I figured you all wanted an update. And by you all, I mean absolutely no one. But my show and this is what you're getting this is what we're doing folks uh bear apple has done the impossible they've done it what's that russ they have officially surpassed comcast as my most hated company to deal with oh now come on man seriously yes it's where'd, you, where'd you get this phone at i think you just got a lemon phone you just need to take that phone back to whatever your cellular provider is wherever you got it and tell them look there's something wrong with this phone. I want to know. I might have one. to do that. That's that's basically what my wife said. Is like you, you you're just going to have to go to the Apple Store, but then you have to go to the Apple Store. You got to go to the mall. You got to walk in there and you meet like some millennial with like a, a a weird looking facial hair set up and thick rimmed glasses and like really tight jeans. And then they're like they do that condescending. It's like okay, boomer thing where like uh, you know they just uh the worst. You want me to go with you? I, they, I deal with them great, those, those people. But I, I do want to add real quick, I mean, with, with getting the solid life advice you get from your lovely, beautiful wife and your partner, you really are set up for success, sir. I really don't like the term partner for wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend. That really... I, I was it, talking it, about it, me. It bothers me. You're my partner. That's what I said. Between uh, me as your partner... And oh. your beautiful wife giving you the same oh. advice. Take the phone, go back to where you got it, and tell them you got a dud. You're my life partner, Bear. Heterosexual. Fan run for life. Got that right. I'm your ride, ride or die, buddy. We're going all the way. Brandon Miller had a big night last night, but that wasn't the story at Stately Smith Manor, Bear. Russ had a big night. Off the schneid. The losing streak is over. I'm back, baby. Who'd you bet on? I'm back. I got South Carolina. Check it out. 
South Carolina, I think they were up two with about 14 minutes to go. And uh, I got them plus seven and a half. Wow. Yeah. While they, while they were actually winning the game in the second half. With everything like, that's going on down there in I, Bama right now. Yeah. I mean, I said, you know, only a fool that w- would would pass up on that. And I'm just the fool to prove this theory. So I, I won't lie, man. My, uh, you know, Bama had like a four point lead <laughs> with a minute to go. I think in both regulation and overtime. And I was the pucker factor was real. But uh, we, we pulled it through. Won a big bet last night on that. So. Um, I, I'm happy like and, and I don't know what it would have been if anybody does doesn't watch the game doesn't know what I'm talking about yet Alabama playing at South Carolina last night yet the Brandon Miller storyline he goes off for 41 points as Bama gets the win in overtime but uh, South Carolina covered the seven and a half Russell put a chunk of money in his pocket made up for some of this this losing streak I've been on and um, I, I don't know bear like uh, Carolina's coming in here Saturday, obviously, and I was texting with Haji last night. We were trying to decipher, like, is it better for Tennessee? You know, do, do, we, do we want Carolina to win that game last night or what? And I, I don't know if there's a good answer to that. One I kind of wanted him to win. And I again, I want to win just because I want Bama to lose. But, <laughs> you know, uh, from, from our standpoint, I don't want him coming in here with a head full of confidence. They played really good. They did, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they just couldn't. They 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 couldn't stop uh, Miller. But I think that that's they're going to have a hard time at the next level once he gets his. If if he if he really didn't isn't more involved in all that mess than if what his lawyer's saying is true, and let's say he skates on on everything, and he he didn't do anything really wrong. Then, well, if his lawyer says it, I mean, we got to believe it, right? Yeah, but. <laughs> Once he gets his feet underneath him in the NBA, I mean, that he's going to be the first college player drafted. Hmm. There'll be a couple of like your you know international guys yeah. that probably go one or two, but he's going to be the first college basketball player drafted. Yeah, I bet there's some really morally bankrupt scouts watching that last night. You go, you know what? This guy really sp- responds to controversy well. He's able to block out all the clutter and rise to the occasion under immense pressure. That's the kind of guy we want on our club. I mean, they never say that, but I guarantee you some <laughs> of them are thinking it. Yeah, I mean, that kid went out and dropped 41 and with everything. And I, I'm not saying that in, in any kind of good way or bad way. I'm just saying he yeah. went out and dropped 41 when you know for the previous what eight to ten hours he had been getting just I mean, he was trending on twitter oh it, it's still going i mean that that fire ain't dying down anytime soon did you see was it yesterday or the day before we were talking about the column that joseph goodman wrote on al.com oh, I read basically it. saying he, he shouldn't be playing yeah he's written a new one today Oh, where he talks to the stepfather of the young woman who was killed. Oh. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty gut-wrenching, but uh, there, there's a couple of, of new things. Uh, first of all, um, the stepfather says they didn't know that Brandon Miller was at the murder scene until that testimony came out on Tuesday. 
So that was news to them, and they are pissed. Why would the DA and the police department not inform the victim's family? I, I don't know. I don't know. But they, they said they didn't know about it. And then apparently the um, AD down there was on a podcast with, I think, Reese Davis maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, he said on that podcast that Alabama didn't know until Tuesday's police testimony about the text message from Darius Miles to Miller asking him to bring the gun, which contradicts what Nate Oates said, that they knew all this. Yeah, and, and if, if, if that's true, Russell, it makes it, to me... Makes it worse. Yeah, you had because a chance. they had a do-over. Yeah, they, yeah. they had a do-over. Like, you had, you had an opportunity to say, well, we didn't know about the about text. The Brandon's, yeah, the text and Brandon's level of involvement. And now that new stuff has come to light, we are we're we're gonna move forward with an indefinite suspension. But they doubled down. Yeah, it seems to me it it appears to me that they're gonna try and thread this needle and just batten down the hatches, circle the wagons, use whatever cliche you want to use, and just Alabama against the world on this deal. And man, I've tried because you know how I feel about cancel culture and rushing to judgment, internet mob mentality and all that stuff. And it's, it's not good. No, but, but we're, we're I, talking I've about murder. Really tried to like, look at this, to try and take the orange color glasses off. And I, I realize that's always going to be difficult. I tried to think, you know, what would happen if it were another school? What would happen if it were our school? What would happen if this were, you know, not a, a, a superstar or something. And, and I just don't see, any way getting around the i mean gary Parrish put it best i think on cbs sports a video that's pretty much gone viral he said look we can talk about opinions we can speculate what he know what he didn't know who knew what all that stuff but the one inescapable fact in all this is if brandon miller doesn't drive to the location the shooting doesn't happen that woman's still alive yeah period and yeah i mean that done on me real early on yeah. So, uh, you got that going on out there. I don't think that situation is going away anytime soon. Good to see the baseball balls, their bats waking up a little bit. How about a uh, big Chuck Taylor yesterday? Charles, Charles Just Taylor. A, I think a, a double shy of the cycle, two home runs. Cause remember when, when, um, uh, oh man, who was the cat? Evan Russell. Yeah, went AWOL last year, and and he started those games like he was. It was a hole in the lineup, right? He he was good behind the plate, but yeah. his bat was non-existent. I think he was below the Mendoza line last year. Do you feel? Do you? Good gosh, below the Mendoza line? No, I mean, I, like literally. I, I don't think he was hitting two hundred last year, and so when when it you know it's kind of looking like he's going to be catcher one. I, I think Cal Stark is in. They've actually got two catchers this year which is interesting but charlie taylor made a statement yesterday and you know i just kind of assumed he would be the proverbial you know the the catcher who manages manages a good game behind the plate and if you get anything out of his bat it's a bonus but after yesterday i know it's only alabama a&m but you got to think maybe maybe we have a little something more than we expected offensively out of the catcher position here's vitello Yesterday, after the game, talking about Charlie Taylor's amazing performance for the Vols yesterday. 
Awesome for me, but I think better for the fans. He's a fan favorite here as much as anyone I've seen, and I like going to a lot of the sporting events, um, but it's, he's kind of got that vibe. Now, it helps when you play in front of a good crowd. I mean, last night we didn't talk about it much, but um, that's a pretty good opening day crowd, especially when you open on a Tuesday. And then tonight, um, I was kind of, you know, wanting them to see Joyce's, you know, Joyce has a brother, obviously. And uh, many of the people stuck around, even though the game kind of went on for a while and um, the score became, uh, you know, in our favor. But uh, good for all those guys to get out there and get cheered for. But Charlie seems to be the one that gets the loudest, not just from our fans, but our dugout, too. He's that type of kid. Did you see what is they're calling him after the second homer? No, I did not. He's got a good nickname. What is it? Charlie Tater. Charlie Tater. That's yeah. that's that's a pretty good one. I have got one for that for that kid. Have you seen the kid from Mississippi State yet, either one of you guys? Mm-mm. No. Uh ambidextrous and throws mid nineties with either hand. Oh. That kid. Now it, I'm affectionately playing... calling him freak show. Is he the guy with the glove, like the the reverse glove? Yeah, I think from what I from the report I read, the stuff I saw on him on Twitter and the clip I saw, like he can switch hands depending on the batter. Yeah, he can, he can, and I guess you can do it in the middle of an at bat too. Like I think you can throw a couple pitches with, you know, I, I know righty righty lefty lefty, but like I mean, think about how weird that would be if you're a hitter, all of a sudden uh, you're you're up there facing a lefty, and you know it counts one and one, and then all of a sudden he puts the glove on the other hand and throws you a right-handed pitch. Well, that, I mean, he's just got, he's got built-in insurance. Like, say one of his elbows goes and he needs a Tommy John. Like, man, he could be out there in a sling, slinging it. Oh, But what caught my eye was, you know, it's it's one thing to be, you know, ambidextrous. It's a whole other thing to be able to throw, you know, mid-creeping, you know, 95, 96 with either hand. Could he blow out one elbow, have Tommy John surgery, and not miss any time, just pitch with the other no. arm? You ever seen anybody that's had Tommy John? No. Yeah, my nephew had it. He uh, he had to have it, and it looked and was described to me as excruciating. Yeah. Like, it was a massive, like, it wasn't like a normal sling. It was one of those deals where, like, they basically. You'd, you'd have to miss a little bit of time, but, I, like, instead of it being a, a nine-month, you know, 12-month oh. injury, maybe it's Who like knows? a six-month injury. And I mean, it could be. Once you once you can move around enough to catch the ball, it's yeah. Anyway, but Charlie Tater, back to him. Yeah, um, I think it's great, and coach is right. Like, and I think that was one of the things that was intriguing to me last year when I was watching him because I felt like, um, I mean, obviously Evan Russell, veteran player, but I felt like Charlie's more of a natural catcher, and you know, if he's got a if he can call a good game from behind home plate and take care of the pitchers. If he can get that bat going, he could end up being a key piece. We need to get into this Maui Ahuna situation. That continues to linger as uh, Dolores O'Reardon, RIP, with the Cranberries sang back in the day. And we got to get into this UT basketball team as well, see if we can stop this tailspin. Nobody better to talk about this with than Mike Wilson. He is the University of Tennessee beat writer for both the basketball and baseball team. 
and he joins us next on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Stay with us. The Drive continues. More Fan Run Radio coming up. Fan Run Radio, The Drive continues, 105.7 FM, 1340 AM, streaming online, fanrunradio.com, your free Fan Run app, a variety of ways for you to experience the program this afternoon. And we go to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines where Mike Wilson of your Knoxville News Sentinel is standing by. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thank you guys for having me on today. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Uh, let's talk some baseball, Mike, before we, we get into the basketball situation as uh, that conversation could go a number of different ways. But, you know, baseball team seems to be finding its groove. A little bit of a stumble out of the gates there against some good teams out in the desert last week. But the bats seem to be awakening. I don't think anybody's really worried about Tennessee starting pitching this year. Your thoughts on the first, I guess, five games now for Tony Vitello's baseball team? Yeah, I mean, we don't have a perfect read on this team yet um, for obvious reasons. I mean, Griffin Merritt is a key piece of that lineup. He didn't play in the first two games. We still don't know uh, Maui Ahuna's long-term status as Tennessee works to resolve that and get him eligible. Um, Still awaiting NCAA compliance, kind of that final step with all of that. So we still haven't gotten a full picture of this Tennessee team. But like you said, we kind of know what the pitching is going to be, especially that starting group. I think we got an idea of the bullpen. Uh, through the first five games, but certainly the, the offense coming back to Knoxville and having the games it had against Alabama A&M was a good sign uh, just to jumpstart that group. The Maui Ahuna thing has to be a some you know somewhat of a distraction for the team. Um, you could tell that uh, you know Tony was upset that it had to he had to deal with it. You had all the family people. I, I think twenty seven people flew from Hawaii to Arizona mm-hmm. to see that. Uh, that obviously was a tremendous disappointment um do you do you get the sense i know the ncaa mike is an organization that is just shrouded in secrecy it could be a fool's errand trying to predict anything that they're going to do but do you get any sense that this thing is close to some sort of a resolution one way or the other i i assume it's definitely getting close um i think given the timeline I mean, the fact that you know maui transferred in, in june and it's not settled yet. You'd think that it will get resolved in the near future, but you also would have thought that it would have been resolved by the time the season starts, right? So uh, I think it's a little bit confusing in that capacity, but I'd like to think that, you know, by this weekend or the following week. Mike Wilson, Knoxville News Sentinel, with us this afternoon on the Big Orange Phillies phone line. So obviously you get him in there, and that's another big bat back in the lineup. You mentioned Griffin Merritt. That has helped, obviously. Uh, what are your thoughts on that outfield, Mike? Uh, it seems like that is a very fluid situation. They've got some time to figure things out. Um, care to hazard a guess like what that thing is going to look like as far as the the three first-choice outfielders for Tony Vitello uh, here as the season goes on? Yeah, I mean, I think you know that two of the spots are probably going to settle with Griffin Merritt and Jared Dickey. Um, obviously, Dickey and Merritt are both capable of DHing as well. And I think more often than not, that DH spot's going to go to one of the outfielders just because there's so many of them. Uh, so I think those two, if you're talking three spots strictly, they have to be involved. From there, it's interesting. I mean, Christian Scott started the season, had a big offseason. Tony Vitello was very high on him. Kind of looks like that same player, though, that we've seen for the past few years. Uh, reliable defensively, good base runners, doesn't give you a ton offensively. 
Kyle Booker, it seems like that's one where the coaches are trying to make Kyle Booker happen this year. Um, you know, he's always had the physical tools. We've seen the flashes. Uh, he's been inconsistent, though, and he's been inconsistent to open this year as well. My money for a while has been on Dylan Dryling. Uh, I, I thought either him or Reese Chapman is going to ultimately emerge as one of the starting outfielders. And I think Dryling's at bats he had the past couple of days showed uh, what he's capable of. I mean, he hits the ball really hard, good plate approach. I think you see a future leadoff hitter uh, at Tennessee in him. I think you see a future middle-of-the-order bat with Reese Chapman. So they can be involved right now. And I think by the time SEC play rolls around, I feel like Dryling and Chapman are going to be more in that mix. Yeah, two excellent prospects. Uh, they, they both look really good this week over at Lindsey Nelson in the two games against Alabama A&M. Uh, Mike, let's talk about catcher for a second. You know, the big shoes to fill, obviously, Evan Russell leaving. And Charlie Taylor comes in there, and you're thinking, based off what we saw last year, well, solid enough catcher, maybe not much of a bat. Uh, Cal Stark from Farragut comes in and hits a home run in the second game against Grand Canyon out there and you're thinking okay maybe this is the guy but uh charlie charlie taylor or uh, charlie tater as they're calling him on twitter <laughs> made a bit of a statement yesterday mike that was impressive and i for one did not see that coming he did and he had a nice end to the fall world series too he had a walk-off grand slam in that uh played well through the fall and i think when you talk about charlie taylor you have to be impressed with his since he's been on campus tennessee has chosen to move multiple outfielders to catcher i mean they moved evan russell to catcher over him they moved Jared Dickey to catcher this offseason over him. They recruited Cal Starkin out of JUCO. They've always liked Charlie Taylor, and he's an elite defensive catcher. When you talk defensive metrics and skills, he's elite. He hasn't shown he can hit. So Tennessee's continued to seek answers there, but he's a guy that's kept working, and they believe in him. I, I think you're going to end up seeing a Cal Stark-Charlie Taylor platoon uh, on the weekend, similar to what we used to see with, I think it was Landon Gray and Connor Pavloni there um, for about a season. I think you're going to see that kind of situation where both those guys get opportunities. Interesting, fun stuff with Tennessee baseball. Back at it, uh, Dayton, the Flyers coming in for a three-game series this weekend. We're visiting with Mike Wilson of your Knoxville News Sentinel on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. All right, Mike, let's talk about this basketball team. Tennessee has lost four of five, five of seven, I think four in a row on the road. Um, obviously, they've they've hit a snag here. What has to happen do you think for Tennessee to get headed back in the right direction before the postseason starts? I mean, step one is simple. You got to get healthy. Uh, this team needs Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips. You probably beat Texas A&M with those two in that lineup. Um, I don't know that you beat Kentucky with the way that Tennessee played in that game in the first half, but you certainly have a better shot. I mean, that's step one. You, you need those two on the floor. Um, they're, they're just similar players defensively, and you take two five-star wings who can guard a lot of positions off the court it's going to hurt you. Um, and secondly, you've just got to get some consistency. I mean, we're starting to see Santiago Vescovi produce like we all expected him to all season, but Tyreek Key has gone cold again. Um, Jemai Machak's had a couple big games, but Olivier Kamal has fallen off at the same time. This team just hasn't consistently had all their pieces going at the same time, and this is the results you're going to get. Um, and they also haven't shown they can win outside of Thompson Bowling Arena. Um, their big wins outside of that are on the neutral site. So I think their best road win is probably Ole Miss, which was back in December um, as the SEC opener. So it's just not a team that's, that's showing that ability to go win on the road. I thought they showed more toughness in that respect at Texas A&M, but you, know, you still lost the game in the end. They've been consistently inconsistent. And, you know, it's, it's maddening to the fans. I can't imagine 
how maddening that must be to this coaching staff, Mike. And I think for the first time, we might have seen a little bit of that seeping through with Rick Barnes um, the other night out there. There was one point, I don't know if you were at the game or you're watching on TV, but um, Adu, after he picked up his fourth foul, you could just see Barnes, like Barnes was like, he was at a loss for words. He's like, I don't know what to do at this point. This is, this is crazy right now. My player that's playing good, I can't even keep him on the floor at this point. And uh, he appeared frustrated, I thought, after the after the game and his post-game stuff as well. You're around the team, not just in those press conferences, but you know, you get to go to a couple of practices and stuff like that, Mike. Do you sense a, a change in the vibe at all, or are they trying to keep it upbeat and positive, hoping it'll turn around? You know, I think you're trying to keep it that way, but it's also just hard to do at a point, right? I mean, like you said, you lose five of seven, four straight in the road. Um, losing back-to-back buzzer beaters in that stretch. I mean, there's just been a lot of difficult things, I think, that have happened with this team. And, you know, you've got to fight to keep it together. And what I go back to is Rick Barnes' comments after they beat Texas on January 28th. He's like, we've got to keep getting better. February is when you find out, like, what you're really about. And Tennessee hasn't shown anything really positive in February outside of beating Alabama, which was a very impressive win, dominant performance, but they haven't done much other than that to inspire confidence. When you're talking about going into March, um, because I think you look at last year's team and they had a lot of struggles in January, but they really hit their stride in February and, and obviously ran through the SEC tournament, did great there. So I think you saw that team really put it together. And right now you're wondering, okay, well, does this team have time to put it together? Can they get healthy? Because we've seen so many different players in and out. Jonas has been in and out. Sazi's been in and out. Josiah, Julian. There's just been a lot of things going on there they haven't had consistency in. Um, I think someone said it's nine games this season. They've had the, the full roster available. So that's an obstacle in and of itself. But at some point, you've got to work with the pieces you have. And I think Tennessee would like to think it's going to have its full roster at last, maybe again on Saturday. Oh, wow. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, you, you mentioned last year's team kind of taking off in the SEC tournament. And I, I guess the obvious the obvious difference there, Mike, is, you know, that team had Kennedy Chandler. And mm-hmm. uh, this team doesn't have a talent like that. We thought that Julian Phillips might be that guy. And and who knows, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe he turns it on when he, when he comes back. But it just feels like when discussing this team, Mike, we keep going back to that, uh, you know, maybe uh, Triple J, maybe it likes it. Uh, maybe the clicks for Ziegler. Maybe this is the game that Camwa figures it out. Maybe Julian Phillips will start driving. There's just all these maybes, and uh, they're running out of time, Mike. They're running out of time for a maybe to become a yes. They are, and I think you hit it, though, with a lot of that. I mean, Olivia had some tremendous games. You look at South Carolina, Texas, I mean, elite performances. Zakai was playing like a national point guard of the year finalist kind of guy uh, for a couple weeks at the end of January, but he seemed to hit a wall in February, which is that fatigue, is that minutes, is that you know, not having a second point guard really on this roster. Uh, Santi's been very inconsistent. He's been hurt with that left shoulder a lot. Um, and like I said earlier, he put it together the past couple games, but – we haven't seen this team really be its full self other than maybe, I mean, obviously the Texas Alabama wins are great, but I think from a consistent stretch, that opener of SEC play, the way they dismantled Mississippi state and South Carolina and back to back games, that was kind of this team hitting on both ends where you're thinking, okay, I mean, this is a team that could play very deep into March, but they haven't been able to string together consistent team performances since then. Mike Wilson, Knoxville News Sentinel with us this afternoon. Mike, uh, last thing I wanted to touch on with you, this Brandon Miller situation down at Alabama, is uh, it's just ugly. I mean, what else can you say about it? And the thing that strikes me, Mike, is it's not just – 
you know, uh, Vol Twitter or Auburn folks coming after Alabama and using this as an opportunity to pile on. It seems to me like uh, the national media that covers that sport is pretty much in lockstep saying they don't like the way Alabama has handled this thing. Are you surprised at, um, first of all, that they're handling the way they are, uh, and then second of all, the backlash that they're getting for the way they're handling it? Yeah, I mean, I think specifically with that, Nate Oates' comments are getting the backlash, and understandably so. Uh, That wasn't the best comment to make, um, you know, when a young woman is dead um, because of that situation. Kind of, what was it, uh, college kids are out, we can't control what goes on outside our facility, uh, Brandon hasn't been in trouble, nor is he in trouble now, wrong spot in the wrong time. Like, you can't really go and say that. And obviously he came back and tried to amend that with a, a statement later that day. But that's done a lot of backlash, understandably so, um, just because the optics of that aren't good. Um, that's not what you really say in that moment, I don't think. And I've seen that get quite a bit of attention, understandably so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if any more of this uh, plays out in an ugly fashion as well. Mike, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for jumping on with us. Go check him out at by Mike Wilson on the Twitter machine. And of course, knoxnews.com for all the latest on Tennessee basketball and baseball. Mike, thanks for jumping on with us. Have a wonderful day. Thank you guys. Mike Wilson on the big orange Phillies phone lines. You can check out big orange Phillies in halls, 66, 25 Maynardville Pike for the precise address there. They have some delicious Philly cheesesteak, Philly chicken sandwiches. They also have great wings, all kinds of good stuff out there for you. If you're looking for a place to get your grub on, watch a little sports, maybe shoot a little pool, Big Orange Phillies, we love it. You're going to love it. Check them out online at BigOrangePhillies.com. Be sure to tell them Fan Run Radio sent you. We're going to take a quick time out, open up the phone lines here. If you want to jump in, 865 546 82 Zero, zero, your number to get on board, 546-8200. If you want to chime in this afternoon, uh, we'll get Bear and uh, the rest of the crew's thoughts on Mike Wilson's appearance when we continue next right here on Fan Run Radio. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Rosal Bear and Marcus Young back with you on a beautiful Thursday here in East Tennessee. Mike Wilson of the News Sentinel. Bear, what did you learn? Well, I thought it was interesting, um, the part about the basketball team and all the pieces not being together. Was it fitting together like all all the time? It goes back to the whole consistency thing. But then, you know, we've got a couple of injuries, and I start wondering in the back of my head. And But I've been accused of being soft when it comes to, you know, Barnes and the, and the guys. But – should we cut him a, a little bit of slack considering he's been minus two starters for most of the slump? Well, it might say uh, only nine games this season where they've had the full roster available. Yeah. But, you know. I think that figures into it. I don't think it excuses. You, you had some bad losses. You had some bad losses. You lose uh, at home to Mizzou. Vanderbilt on the road I don't think was was very good. You know, uh, Tuesday night was excusable to me because that's a it's a pretty good A and M team, and uh, and you had an opportunity. The two losses to Kentucky stand out. Those are bad losses, man. You, you probably should have swept them. Uh, at least should have won your game at home against them. So there's just some head scratchers. Um, 
And then the other thing I was glad to hear him say, because I wasn't, I was fairly certain that I'd seen that, but uh, Charlie Taylor is an elite defensive catcher. Like elite. So if he can get his back going, I'm telling you, he's going to be a, he could play a major role on this team's success this year. No doubt. 865-546-8200. If you want to chime in this afternoon on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, and let's get started with phone calls. Diablo is up first today. What's up, Diablo? Hey, ge- hey gentlemen. Uh, you know, we talked about it. Uh, there's an old expression about a cold day in hell. What do we say about a What do we say about a hot day in winter? It's 80 degrees today. What about that? Oh man, it's it's great out. It's so out walking around earlier. Just kind of the the good thing about it for the allergy sufferers out there is it poured rain for about you know 10 15 minutes earlier this morning. Wash so I'm out there now. driving around with the windows down, you know, not worried about pollen getting in your car and everything. It's just the best, man. Just perfect weather this week. Now, guys, I don't want it to go from like cold to like 80 to 90 until June when it gets real hot. I really want, I'd like to have a, a nice spring here. Give me 60 to 70 there, for a good deep. month or two. Yeah, I agree with you, Bear, but it just seems like springs here are just like about a week long anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, gentlemen, I called in yesterday and asked the question about if you were giving this roster a grade-by-grade average on their on – their, I'm going to switch that on since I'm still in a schooled mind way of thinking and looking at all these indicators and rubrics. What would you grade Rick Barn this season? What grade would you give him? And you can use whatever rubric, indicator, or – uh, justification, but where would you score him at on a grade scale for this year? I would probably grade him pretty highly. I, I wouldn't go any lower than a B, and I'd be tempted to go B plus. And here's why: I I don't think this roster is overly talented. I really don't. And for him to take that group and get them playing the de- level of defense they were, particularly you know, a month or so ago, to, to get that squad up to number two in the nation without, um, you know, from my vantage point, without a, a lottery pick or anything like that on the roster is pretty darn impressive. So I would have to – I know that the, there, there's some people just smack their foreheads listening to me say this, but that's how I feel. I, I think he's actually – gotten a lot out of a lot more out of this group than just about anybody else would bear do you agree with that with russell always yeah yeah (laughs) i wish no i mean i I agree with everything he just said when i mean yeah why would you guys i'm just gonna tell you i can't give him higher than a c because i know what your justification is but you got to remember we pay this guy or i say we the university pays him $6 million a year. He assembled that roster. He knew what he had. He knew what he didn't have. And I, I, I use B.J. Edwards as an example. They've mismanaged that situation. And if I'm recruiting against Rick Barnes, that is example A of why I would not want your kid to play there because they, they literally have mismanaged it to the point that now we got an entire roster, and especially ZZ, playing on tired legs, because our personnel is thin, uh, we haven't had any development, so I don't know how you justify. You see, they got the number two in the rankings, 
simply because we had a fluff part of the schedule, and they're so unpredictable. We beat, we, you know, you're talking about we were playing without two starters, but we also won against Alabama, USC, uh, Kansas, and Texas without two starters, I believe. So where's the consistency to give him a, a high grade? Well, uh, I think what what how we got got here, Diablo, is that we were just, you know, he uh, Mike brought it to the table. We've had nine games out, nine games out of what, however many we've played, where he's had his full roster available to him. So I, you know, I don't, I don't think he's he's not done as bad as as you think he has this year. I, I also, you know, I'll admit that he he hasn't handled some situations real well. But I mean, the when the when you lose me is on the six million dollars. He's getting paid six million dollars because he has the University of Tennessee's basketball program in the top twenty-five every year in the tournament every year. No trouble churning out you know fine, upstanding young men and winning a lot of basketball games and selling a lot of tickets. So, I mean, there I agree with that. And as a matter of fact, I'll forever be eternally grateful to Coach Barnes for finally ending the streak of futility and winning that SEC basketball tournament. So forever grateful. And, in fact, that's probably the, the highlight of his career here at UT. But I think, and getting back to your point, I think he's becoming a victim of his own success because he's got to a certain point, and now we've leveled out. And so the graph is just kind of flatlining, and it needs to start. It still needs to start ascending, and I think this fan base is seeing that it won't or it can't. So I think that's the frustration that I'm feeling, and I think a lot of us are, is because we're looking at another typical March that if you look over the career of Coach Barnes, seems to be pretty much evidence that it's going to do it year after year after year. Anyways, guys, great show. Thanks for letting me talk, and uh, I keep listening. Have a good day. Thank you, Diablo. I, I think you nailed it right there at the end. Uh, he's a victim of his own success, and he has achieved a certain level. And it's leveled off and it's just sort of uh, I don't think many people are expecting it to go much further and, and people find that frustrating. But here's another reason that, that I would grade him higher than a C. Look at the SEC this year. You know, ten- Tennessee has the third best overall record in the SEC. They're uh, fourth best in, in the in conference play. They're 20 and eight. And despite the two losses to Kentucky, they still have a better record than Kentucky. So if, you know, if Tennessee fans are frustrated with Rick Barnes, how frustrated must Kentucky fans be with Calipari? How frustrated must Auburn fans be with Bruce Pearl, who's also 19 and nine, just like them? How frustrated must Arkansas fans be that they are 19 and nine? There's three programs, Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, Giants of the coaching profession right there. The, you know, established guy in Cal, the established guy in Pearl, a guy who many believe is the next big thing in Eric Musselman, all 19 and nine while Tennessee's already at the 20 win mark. Yeah. So, you know, Tennessee, yeah. I mean, there have been some disappointing moments, some puzzling moments as, as Bear alluded to uh, just how he's in, handled individual players on this team and, stuff like that. But still, after all of that, Tennessee is doing better than just about anybody besides Texas A&M and Alabama in the league this year. And given what we've learned this week, I I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think anybody's 
you know, beating down the door to hire Nate Oates away like they were maybe a, a couple of weeks ago. No. So, I mean, we also, I mean, this doesn't get talked about. We also lost our, our best player. To the, I mean, he's playing in the NBA now off last year's team. You know, we were, and they didn't, you know, we took a little bit of a step back, especially at that position. And that's been the deal this year. So, but yeah, I mean, Bruce is, imagine if Barnes was, you know, telling, get into it with fans and dropping F-bombs. Ah, you got Pearl uh, wanting to jump up in the fans and uh, stands and fight somebody. Yeah, he's going full meta uh, world peace, wasn't he? About being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Things you don't have to worry about when Rick Burns is your coach. Let's get TJ in here next. Good afternoon, TJ. You're on the drive. It's Fan Run Radio. Hey, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing well. How are you, sir? Not bad. You know, you talk about uh, Tennessee fans being frustrated with Rick Barnes. Um, a few points. I think, too, it's all about where you peak. Um, granted, Tennessee does have one more win than Kentucky and Auburn and, and those other teams, but also uh, those other teams have won, you know, six out of their last eight as to where Tennessee's lost four out of their last five. So I completely understand why late February Tennessee fans are a little concerned at how their team is trending uh, compared to other teams who may not have the record of 20-8 and eight or top 15 team. So I think, I think Tennessee fans who are upset with Rick are completely valid. But on the other hand, Boston College, who I think has two conference wins this year, yeah. beat Virginia last night, who's ranked sixth, and Virginia only scored 45 points. So it oh. works both ways. Yeah, I mean um... – there are plenty of teams that have been on the same roller coaster ride that Tennessee's been on, right? And and still, you find yourself ranked. Uh, I think we're number eleven this week. When, and, and I don't know, maybe that goes down a little bit. I don't think Texas A&M on the road is a is a bad loss. That's the funny thing is, and listen, I know people don't want to hear it. I don't really want to hear it anymore at this point either, with all the analytics talk. But if you look at the net. If you look at Ken Pum, if you look at all the computer numbers, like Tennessee's still like in the top, uh, solidly in the top 10, in the top five of some of that stuff. I think we're fourth or fifth in the net this week. And Boston College, what'd you say they had? They're eight and 10 in conference. Yeah, I mean, they're eight and 10 in conference play. It's not two and 16. Okay. Well, hey, okay, I stand corrected there. But a Boston College they're team, terrible. no matter who has on it, should not be a Virginia team. You called out by the in- you got um, called out by the intern there. That's all right. Um, he, he's finally awake. He's not asleep during the show. How about that? Um, <laughs> First of all, hey, wrong what? intern. But second of all, that was one day. Bears done it twice, so <laughs> three times. He's hey, great. Hey, my way out. Um, I've said it a long time ago. I'm sure many have others. Others have said it too, and I just saw it again today. XFL, USFL, all this other stuff, FL. Um, I think it would get a lot more viewership if the NFL could come into terms with the XFL and USFL and adapt them as a minor league team for development players like baseball does. So if you have the Tennessee Titans, then you have the Memphis whatever, and then you have the whatever in the XFL Mm -hmm. and the USFL, and use that as a developmental league, I think that would get a lot more viewership knowing that in a few years they can see one of their best players 
there in the NFL. It's a really interesting idea. I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah, I mean, I would, because, you know, when you first say those two leagues should merge, my initial thought is, yeah, that's a good idea. And that would probably be better for those two leagues, but I'm still not going to watch because it's just, I don't know. I just don't want to watch uh, lesser football, but I'll tell you what, you're right, TJ. If, if that was a farm team and I knew that the Titans were developing guys and stashing guys there and maybe pluck guys up, I would be much more likely to pay attention. Just like I pay attention to uh, recruiting or the Braves farm system or the draft or stuff like that. That's, uh, you should, you should run that up the flagpole, pitch that idea to somebody. That's good. I like it. Hey, a couple of weeks, Fayetteville woodpeckers, the, uh, <laughs> the team that Evan Russell was on, uh, opening day. I don't know if Evan's on that team anymore, but if he is, I am 100% going to go see him because whether he's from Tennessee or not, he's an exciting baseball player. So y'all have a good one, man. I think Evan actually hung it up. Uh, I think, I thought Drew Gilbert was the guy playing on TJ's team. The Astros, up there in Vietnam. Yeah, it's 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 Drew Didn't Gilbert. He run through yeah. a wall or something. Or yeah, so Drew Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, it was very Drew Gilbert. Hey, rough call for TJ, man. Like he was, he had some. He, was oh, he might he got the record wrong, but I was just looking at Boston College is number one eighty five in the net. That's what we're talking about. One eighty five, and who did they beat? Virginia. Yeah. They're 21st. Tennessee, after everything that's happened, is still third in the net. Yeah. How is that possible? Because we can beat anybody in the country on any given night. We've got so many bad we, – what, uh, three quad two losses right now. I, it's insane, bro. I get it. But, uh, stay with us. Hour number two of The Drive coming up. Marcus will have your top four at four when we continue on Fan Run Radio.